You are tuning in to On The Money with Dynamic Funds, a podcast series that delivers access to some of the industry's most experienced active managers and thought leaders. We're sitting down to ask them the pertinent questions to find out their insights on the market environment and navigating the investment landscape. You're listening to the second segment in our two-part series on the evolution of energy. In our first segment with portfolio manager Jen Stevenson, we discuss the details around the fact that energy demand globally continues to grow, and that's not new. But the developing evolution around the nature of the energy that we use will continue to change over time. In this segment, we will focus on the infrastructure elements within the evolution in energy. Renewable power, including power generation, transmission and storage, electrification, including regulated utilities, are all beneficiaries of climate change action. I'm joined by Frank Latshaw, Portfolio Manager alongside Jennifer Stevenson on our Dynamic Energy Evolution Fund. Frank brings a deep understanding of the global power sector to our conversation today. And over the last 10 years, this has allowed him to identify a wide range of companies that stand to benefit from the great energy transition. So Frank, while renewables are gaining new ground with the current DSG push, they've been a part of the utilities and power generation companies for a while now. Can you speak to the timeline and evolution of renewables within the power generation industry? Renewables have basically gone from a rounding error in the global power generation mix, you know, some 15 to 20 years ago, to now represent about 15% today if I include nuclear. If I take nuclear out, it's about 10%. So we're getting about 10% of our power from renewable sources today, from virtually nothing, uh, call it uh, one and a half to two decades ago. You know, the large size of the global power generation market represents a huge opportunity for growth if you're starting from zero or close to it, like renewable power developers. You know, and that journey from zero to call it 15% of the mix today uh, has represented well over $2 trillion of investment globally. Uh, So a pretty significant amount of capital has been spent today. As the costs, you know, to build and produce power from renewable sources have come down over the years, the realistic target mix uh, for renewables has gone up unsurprisingly. So today, many countries are targeting at least 30% renewable power over the next 10 years, and in some cases, 50 to 60% by the decade after that. If you just do some simple compounding math, you know that represents basically a doubling of size every 10 years, and comes out to about 7% growth per year for the next 20 years. You know, that would also assume global power demand stays flat which is, I think, is something we're all aiming to do, you know, use less power in general. But even if that were to be achieved, that's a pretty healthy, long-term, sustainable growth rate for renewable power companies uh, for the next 10 to 20 years. There's, I think, also an increased sense of urgency today, you know, when it comes to addressing climate change risks by policymakers. That, to me, suggests that maybe they want to accelerate this growth at least for the next 10-year period. If you add to that, the potential for renewable power companies to build and operate renewable facilities that service corporate entities directly. You know, what comes to mind today is, you know, the large technology companies like Google and Apple directly commissioning renewable power sources for themselves. You know, you can see that growth accelerating too. And then what's more interesting and something we're invested in in this fund um, is some of the emerging technologies that are likely to come to more fruition by the end of the decade. So in the latter 2020s, there is a possibility that the power source for electrolyzers and fuel cells 
which are then used for industries like transportation and heavy manufacturing as an energy source, are also being powered by renewable power companies. And that, to me, actually brings the addressable market well beyond to simply providing electricity for homes and businesses. So where we are today is really only the initial steps towards achieving some very lofty but increasingly realistic renewable power generation targets. So Frank, this really is a story that's global in nature and, and countries around the world are focusing on this evolution. When you look around the world at the space, what are some of the regions that are leading in respect to renewables adoption? So right now, you know, there's 188 countries that have officially ratified as part of the Paris Climate Accord, and there's many other countries lining up to do so. Of those, I would say the European Union, collection of countries uh, in the European Union looks to be at the forefront of renewable power adoption, with the Green Deal uh, recently announced being the most aggressive in terms of targets and potentially supportive in terms of its policies. I believe the U.S. will rejoin the Paris Climate Accord with the incoming new administration in 2021, and will also advance their commitment as a result of that. So uh, while there is some inertia in the U.S. to embrace climate change policy to the similar degree as, say, in Europe, due to the size of its fossil fuel industry, you know, the sheer size of the U.S. marketplace and the impact the U.S. has on the environment with its economic activity has made it a really good place to invest for renewable power companies in the past several years. And I think the U.S. renewable power sector represents a much larger and current and prospective employer than the fossil fuel industry going forward as well. So I think the U.S. is now emerging as an increasingly attractive place for renewable power investment uh, going forward. Canada also, I think, has a pretty healthy marketplace uh, from a policy standpoint. But the size of the market here is quite small in the context of the global opportunity. You know, so that is why, for example, I think you've seen a lot of Canadian renewable power companies expand abroad. So you know, I think the key markets to watch here are both the European Union and uh, North American economies. You mentioned a new administration down in the U.S. coming in and really putting some tension behind this subject. When we think about governments, is there a standard blueprint for government renewable support? Or are countries really building their own models from the ground up? It's different from one jurisdiction to the next, and so there is no standard blueprint uh, per se, but the conventional measures that have been taken so far have ranged from you know, providing tax incentives and credits to you know, redirect uh, research and development and investment capital towards renewable power development and innovation. So we've seen that expand globally, and there's a very healthy tax credit system available in the U.S. today, as well as has been the case in Canada. And then you've also got um, mechanisms like cap and trade marketplaces and, and carbon credits as another way to, to stimulate activity and innovation and redirect capital. And, and another thing you might see as well is maybe reducing the tax and other subsidies that have been made available to the oil and gas sector so far to date. The extent of these measures depends on the political and social environment on the country in question. And, you know, I think it'll be more or less extensive depending on these factors. Uh, as time progresses and costs continue to come down to produce renewable power, you know, I think we kind of get away from subsidization and support from the governments and something that uh, looks closer to a free market when it comes to renewable power development and, and generation. But we're, you know, we're probably uh, many years away from this at this point. So as we look at the future of power generation more broadly, 
What do you think are some of the biggest challenges in transitioning the power grid towards renewables? And how are companies looking to solve these issues? One of the biggest challenges is pure and simple, finding enough private market capital available to address this issue. And I'm not just talking about uh, transmission and distribution grids, I'm also talking about the generation as well of power itself. So, you know, given the speed at which I think policymakers want to move on this issue and the large amount of investment required uh, to get there, you know, there is a lot of money that needs to be spent over the next 10 years to simply move the needle in terms of progress towards reaching climate change goals. And certainly a lot more capital than what's available to these renewable power companies uh, in terms of what they're generating organically today. So I think you're going to have to see a lot of capital raising by the industry in the renewable power sector uh, to address this accelerated growth, but it's, it's all for a good cause. Uh, and at the same time, you know, we've heard a lot about the entry of oil and gas giants into the renewable power space. And uh, so far, that's actually been a welcome development versus uh, viewed as a threat because we need the capital available to those companies too to simply meet the uh, very aggressive climate change goals that policymakers have. The other issue that I think needs to be addressed is the intermittency of renewable power generation, as well as upgrading the global transmission and distribution grids to handle more intermittent and distributed electricity flow. So I think, I think battery technology has come a long way in terms of efficiency and effectiveness with addressing the intermittency issue, as power can now be stored when it's generated but not needed, and then dispatched during periods you know, when the sun isn't shining or the wind isn't blowing, so to speak. Uh, power grids, however, will still need a major overhaul. And whether it's to connect in new sources of renewable power generation that's being built, uh, to roll out the installment of smart metering and ways to help customers uh, be more efficient in their power uh, usage and consumption, and just simply to handle a multi-directional flow of electricity. So. So I think that represents a very interesting opportunity for regulated utilities to grow those assets in the coming years, you know, if they own and operate uh, electricity grids. Yeah, that's interesting. So if we're thinking about utility companies that are wanting to transition towards more, you know, renewable energy sources, obviously that's going to require deployment of capital uh, and an investment plan to add capacity. So how does the budget break down for them in terms of renewables versus traditional fossil fuels? Basically, beyond maintenance of existing natural gas-fired power plants, the CapEx envelope is, is dominated by either renewable power generation investment or upgrading transmission and distribution grids full stop. We're not seeing any money being spent on um, coal-fired facilities. If anything, they're being uh, shut down, and that money's being redirected towards those other avenues that I've mentioned. So the vast majority of capital expenditures in the utility space today. Certainly in the companies that we're investing, it's virtually all of the growth capex that's being spent is on renewable power generation and you know building out those grids that I mentioned earlier. Virtually none is on fossil fuels. You know, what would be great for our listeners would maybe to get an example of a leading renewable power company and what features that you look for as an investor in assessing quality in this space. So the one name that, that comes to mind, and I think it's become more of a household name today, is a company called NextEra Energy. It's been in the Global Infrastructure Fund for many years, has been a top holding there, and we've had quite a, a fair amount of success with our investments uh, in NextEra. 
for a number of reasons. You know, first and foremost, they are the premier North American renewable power developer and operator. As a company, they have a, a culture of excellence and foresight and, you know, uh, looking at where the best place to invest their capital and have had a long history of successful execution on their strategies. So much so that, um, you know, that they have a very compelling lead on most companies that are developing and operating renewable power in North America. And on top of that, they just have proven themselves to be the best in terms of uh, efficiency and effectiveness in running these plants. Uh, so they've earned very good returns for a long period of time and have, have now achieved, I would say, a level of dominance in the industry that's very uh, daunting for those that may be considering to enter. Uh, then, you know, this is a company that's grown consistently between six to eight percent per year, closer to the upper end of that range, and are, is showing no signs of slowing down. And you know, renewables is the key driver of that growth historically and going forward. So it, this is a company I think that epitomizes what we look for in a renewable power uh, entity that's best in class. And I want to emphasize that when investing in renewable power. It has to be in a company that has development expertise and they have scale. Uh, I know we're at a fairly early stage in the evolution of this industry, but over the past 10 years or so, there have been a few dominant players that have evolved. And I think it's going to be increasingly difficult to compete unless you have size and you have the ability to actually build a wind farm or a solar farm or what whatnot in the renewable space. Uh, and you have to be able to do that from the ground up, so from a greenfield basis. You're, it's going to be very tough to earn an adequate rate of return if you're just simply buying completed projects that some other developer has uh, done all the heavy lifting at the outset on. So those are very important factors that we look for, and uh, Next Era Energy certainly epitomizes them all. Really insightful information, and we hope you enjoyed the second segment in our two-part series on the evolution of energy. Thank you for taking the time today. You've been listening to another edition of On The Money with Dynamic Funds. For more information on Dynamic and our complete fund lineup, contact your financial advisor or visit our website at dynamic.ca. This audio has been prepared by 1832 Asset Management LP and is provided for information purposes only. Views expressed regarding a particular investment, economy, industry, or market sector should not be considered an indication of trading intent of any of the mutual funds managed by 1832 Asset Management LP. These views are not to be relied upon as investment advice, nor should they be considered a recommendation to buy or sell. These views are subject to change at any time based upon markets and other conditions, and we disclaim any responsibility to update such views. To the extent this audio contains information or data obtained from third-party sources, it is believed to be accurate and reliable as of the date of publication. But 1832 Asset Management LP does not guarantee its accuracy or reliability. Nothing in this document is or should be relied upon as a promise or representation as to the future. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compound total returns, including changes in unit values. And reinvestment of all distributions does not take into account sales, redemption, or option changes, or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.